0: Welcome to the Radio Bold News Pod. I'm Mike Sikel with Timely Conversations for Sullivan and the Catskills and beyond. February is Black History Month, and I have with me Sullivan County historian John Conway. And we're going to have a little chat based on actually some material he provided me, of course, his ongoing retrospect column in the Sullivan County Democrat. John wrote a, a series of columns over the years that focused on some prominent African-Americans in the Sullivan County community throughout the years. And John, I'd like to welcome you. Nice to have you here. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Mike. I appreciate
1: the opportunity to talk about Sullivan County
0: history. Well, you taught me a lot as far as Sullivan County history and in particular as it pertains to Black History Month. Uh, There has been a history of uh, some very prominent uh, african-american individuals uh, over the years and of course actually the the most interesting thing i found is really going back we're talking about a a particular african-american during the civil war period why don't we we start with theodore cotton Uh, what was
1: discovered about theodore cotton was discovered because of the what became known as the great shahola train wreck of 1864 And in researching that train wreck, a gentleman from the Sullivan County Historical Society, Fred Fries, had made the journey up to the cemetery where those soldiers were buried, and he just happened upon the grave of a man by the name of Theodore Cotton. And he saw that that he was a Civil War vet. He didn't really understand the inscription on the grave, which said 26th USCT. So he returned back to his, Archives, he began to do a little research, and it turned out that uh, Theodore Cotton had fought with the twenty sixth u s. colored troops, which is what uh, the black regiments were known, uh, how they were known in the in the Civil War. And there were there were three or four um, of these black regiments that were made up of uh, enlisted officers who were almost entirely black. The officers were were white. Uh, and a number of them featured men from Sullivan County, the 26th uh, probably more so than others, but some Sullivan County um, blacks fought in the 20th uh, USCT, uh, some in the 37th, but the 26th, I think, had had more than any others, and that included uh, Theodore Cotton, who was a resident of, of, uh, of Barryville. And, and um, Theodore Cotton, um, was a pretty interesting character in that he was actually reported killed in action. The final report that was filed after one of the battles listed him as killed in action, but he was actually uh, caught and imprisoned. So imagine a black soldier being a prisoner of war of the Confederate Army during the Civil War. He probably was not treated very well. He actually was wounded severely in his leg, and that, that led to his, um, to his capture, and I believe that he actually lost his right leg as a result of that injury. But he did return to Sullivan County after the war, continued to live here, he became a Mason. Uh, he and his sons were fairly well-known uh, Masons in the area, and uh, the family owned the property here in Barryville up until 1935 with, when one of his last surviving daughters sold the, the property. But Theodore Cotton's a, a great uh, great story and obviously an a, a African-American resident of, of Sullivan County. You had noted earlier, Mike, that m- most of the the history of African-Americans in Sullivan County is really fairly recent. Theodore Cotton and some of the others who fought in the uh, the 26th, there were some brothers from Mamacating who fought Um, African-Americans, Eli Bennett Jackson, Henry Clay Jackson, Daniel Stanton Jackson. Those were three brothers who all fought in the Civil War. A couple of guys from Kashecton, Judson Sharp, William Neal, uh, James Garnett was another one. Uh, So there were African-Americans in the county who who fought in the Civil War. But as you had noted, much of the history of of African-Americans in Sullivan County in terms of accomplishments and whatnot takes place much later, uh, in the, in fact, in the 1960s and 1970s, right. after the Civil Rights Act and, and so on. And one of the reasons for that, obviously, the, the Civil Rights Act uh, of 1964 played a big uh, part in that. But another reason is that we simply did not have very many African-Americans living in Salton County. In fact, as late as 1930, so the 1930 census, the population of Sullivan County at that time, year-round population, was about 35,000 people. And there were fewer than 100 African Americans living in Sullivan County at that time. In fact, according to the census, 91, which is just about uh, one quarter of one percent of the population. And that didn't really increase much. Uh, We get into the 1950 census, we still only had uh, 745 African-Americans living in Sullivan County, which mm. is fewer than 2% of the population.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there was an influx at that point because we begin to see the proliferation of year-round hotels here, and they began to expand their workforces. They can no longer depend on, on the college kids to to um, to provide their, their uh, workforce. And so they began to actually recruit in some cases african-americans from the south who moved up here and and uh, settled in fallsburg or liberty wherever the their the hotel was that they were working in and and that's really where we begin to see the first influx of of african-americans but it wasn't uh you know even to this day we have fewer than 10 percent of the population uh, of Sullivan county is african-american and as as late as uh nineteen eighty it was it was less than seven percent. So hmm. it, it, we we just haven't had that the the quantity here to uh, certainly in the early days to provide those kinds of that that kind of history
0: that that we talk about. Well, you know the one thing that I found very interesting and going back again because I was kind of following this in chronological order, on March tenth of eighteen seventy five this is the eighteen hundreds yet. Harvey Griffin of Monticello became the first African-American volunteer firefighter uh, in Sullivan That's County. Correct. Yeah, in Sullivan County, and maybe really at the time, it might have been in all of New York State that, that uh, Harvey Griffin was, was the man that became a volunteer firefighter. That's right. Harvey
1: Harvey Griffin was a, a resident of Monticello. The way this all came about, a number of years ago, I was contacted by one of the paid firemen at the time in Monticello, Carl Howman, who uh, wanted to pay tribute to Harvey Griffin as the, uh, the first African American uh, volunteer firefighter. And according to the research that we were able to do and uh, you know certainly not definitive because the, the information is not readily available, but uh, we could not find a, an earlier account of an African American volunteer fireman in New York State. So we have every reason to believe that, that Harvey Griffin, uh, was the first in New York State, certainly the first in Sullivan County. And at that time, he was one of the very few African-Americans living in the county. There weren't, I think he was the only African-American living in the village of Monticello at that time. He yep. worked at a, a couple of the hotels there, uh, and he became a member of the, the Monticello
0: Fire Department. Well, and another very interesting uh, personality uh, that you talk about, which ties in so much with the Sullivan County resort industry, which is obviously was a prominent industry for many, many years here, was Fannie Hardin.
1: So Fannie Hardin and her husband owned a, a small resort in the town of Bethel, the Swan Lake area, which was called the Forest View Lodge. And uh, to, to the best of my uh, uh, research, uh, they were the only African-Americans to actually operate a resort uh, in Sullivan County and um, the interesting thing about it is that according to all of the research that has been done, um, they never entertained African-American guests. So even though it was owned by an African-American family, and it was strictly a family-run resort, there's no uh, record of, of African-American vacationers ever staying there. That's interesting. Uh, and and yeah. the Forest View Lodge operated up until 1955.
0: And, and it was really a, a family-run business at the time for, for yeah, many, 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 many years. Yeah, many of the hotels were, yeah. Mike, as you know. Um, sure. And,
1: and, of course as was the case with with some of the the larger more prominent resorts like Grossingers with Jenny Grossinger and Cutchers with with Helen Kutcher and Ma Holder at the Young's Gap uh, the matriarch of the hotel was often the glue that kept it together and and Fanny Harden was certainly that in the case of the Forest View Lodge uh, it was actually once she died in in uh, 1953 it was uh, evident that, that that the resort would would not be able to continue that just the spark went out of the family and her guidance was severely missed. And and so it it only lasted for a couple of years beyond that. But that's Mm -hmm. a unique institution in Sullivan County in that it's the only African-American operated resort in the county.
0: Speaking of areas, now, one particular part of uh, Sullivan County history that I've been familiar with for a while is the Luxton Lake region uh, as being connected to the African-American community here. But you uh, presented an interesting tidbit to me that I was not aware of, that a very famous uh, baseball star was uh, an African-American baseball star was, was actually uh, kind of involved in that community. So tell, tell me that story of the Lucky Lake Estates. So
1: Lucky Lake, uh, which actually was the development at uh, a small lake called Luxton Lake, just outside of Narrowsburg, on the western side of of Sullivan County. The Lucky Lake estates uh, were developed by some entrepreneurs who got the idea to create these vacation homes there. And in the early 1950s, when uh, the uh, baseball giants were still playing in New York, uh, uh, and one of the best Major League Baseball players uh, at the time uh, was Willie Mays. Uh, the, the developers of Lucky Lake Estates uh, signed Willie up to be their spokesman, and he was assigned one of the lots he, he, as part of his his uh, remuneration for being the spokesman. Mm-hmm. He appeared in, in a lot of their ads, print and, and uh, otherwise. Uh, and part of his remuneration was that he was given this lot. In fact, it was uh, lot number two fifty-five. So he was an actual landowner yeah. at the, uh, the 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 development, and he was just one of many celebrities that that purchased lots there and lived. Most of the others were were entertainers. Uh, I don't know of any other baseball players, but there were about three hundred lots sold in that development, uh, and it became a thriving little community. And then um, much more recently, there were uh, problems detected with the dam, which was actually, the lake was created, it was a man-made lake created by damming up the 10 Mile River. And when they discovered these issues with the dam, uh, they, uh, the, the um, Army Corps of Engineers, I believe it was, made them uh, remove the dam and, and the lake disappeared. And mm-hmm. so all, these land, all of these home sites that were on the lake at one point, the next day they were no longer waterfront property. And the community really, uh, so, some homeowners actually walked away from, from their homes after the lake was drained because they, you know, the property simply had lost its appeal and, and in some cases its value. Sure. And so a lot of them just walked away. But uh, yeah, the story of Luxon Lake is a, a great story. And um, more recently, there have been some uh, home sites purchased and uh, renovated now. And I, I think there, there have been attempts, and I, I'm not sure how successful they uh, have been to this point in time, but uh, there have been some attempts to to.
0: Reinvigorate the community there, and I should mention uh, Tina Spangler, who was involved with the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance, and she actually had a, a documentary that uh, she released in in two thousand nine, uh, Lucky Lake. So, Correct. is that available Correct. on YouTube, or I mean, can you access? I think that?
1: it is, Mike. I think it is. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very interesting, and and you know we're going from the nineteen fifties into the nineteen sixties and and even the early seventies, and uh, again. Uh, looking at uh, prominent African Americans in our our community, there were a number of firsts along the way, as you had mentioned earlier. You know, it, it was it was post civil rights movement, and it was just a, a time when uh, more African Americans were becoming uh, involved in the in the mainstream of our community. Sure, and I think once
1: you see it happen once or twice, then we, we begin to see the doors open, and it becomes more and more common for. Uh, African-Americans in Sullivan County to be involved in uh, politics or in c- c- civic duties and whatnot. So, But interestingly, Mike, we, we talked about Harvey Griffin, first volunteer uh, fireman, African-American fireman uh, in the 1870s. It's not until the 1960s that we see the first, uh, well, probably a little bit earlier, but the first African-American police officers in the county are considerably later than Harvey Griffin, um, Howard Morgan in Monticello in the 1950s, and uh, Boise Sellers Jr. in Liberty uh, in 1964. So you know, that's a fairly late date in our history, fairly yeah. recent uh, history for, for that. Um, we don't have a record, a record of African-Americans running uh, for countywide political office until 1967, when uh, a, a woman named Maddie Perry uh, ran for uh, county clerk on the Liberal Party line, and uh, that's that's the first record we have uh, of an African American running for countywide uh, political office. She lost; uh, actually, finished third in a, in a three-person race. But it did open the door and uh, proved uh, you know what was possible, and and we we. We begin to see from that point forward uh, more and more African Americans getting involved in, in the political process.
0: Do we know who who the first um, successful African American uh, politician was in in Sullivan County?
1: You know, I was, as I was speaking, I was afraid you were going to ask me that, and I have to tell you, Mike, I'm not sure uh, off the top of my head that we have that we have had one. I'm not sure that there has been. I hesitate to say because I'm strictly speaking, you know, off the top of my head, but I mm-hmm. can't think of, of a county-wide office holder. There have been some local, yeah, you know, some local uh, office holders. Uh, in fact,
0: um, just in this past election, Sean Walcardi became a town board member, yes, and, yes.
1: And, and deputy supervisor in, in the town of Fallsburg. Obviously, Gordon Jenkins was um, African American mayor of the village of Monticello. So there have been local office holders, but county-wide. Uh, again, I, I don't want to be too emphatic about this because I, I'm not positive, but I'm not—I'm not sure there has been an African American uh, county-wide office holder yet in our history. So that's something that that uh, history still to be
0: made. That's interesting, very interesting. Um, you know what? I think we ran through all the columns now. I'm just trying to think how I want to kind of. Well, we point- can. Th- you yeah,
1: um, know, education is another. Um, area where we begin to see in the,
0: in the oh, yes, and, and, you and did, 70s. You did actually have some mention of uh, Board of Education uh, representatives right. and all. And
1: the first uh, first school official uh, in 1968, it was actually uh, Ida Mae Mitchell, uh, became the first African American to serve on a school board in Sullivan County, at least according to the research that I've been able to do. Um, I don't believe there was anyone uh, prior to uh, to Ida Mae Mitchell. She was a, a librarian at the hospital, actually. Uh, she also worked for the, uh, the phone company for a time, and she ran for the school board a couple of times, finally was elected in 68, and served for many years thereafter, I think eventually became vice president of the board, very, very uh, prominent member of the, of the Montessor School Board. And uh, it wasn't until 1970 that we actually had an African-American Serve as a uh, a school administrative official, which I I believe that uh, Robert Harding, uh, who was my chemistry teacher, by the way, in in, uh, Monticello uh, High School, but um, he became uh, assistant principal in, in Monticello in August of
0: 1970. Well, very interesting, you know, some groundbreaking individuals, especially Again, when you consider the uh, the makeup of the African-American community here in Sullivan County, it's important to kind of highlight those that uh, pushed above and beyond and, and, and broke down some some barriers and were part of the community. And uh, I think, you know, today that's certainly continuing. Sean Wolkarty, a, a, a great example uh, recently joining the town of Fallsburg board, but um, there was actually a, a Democrat piece with him talking about his story and, and his uh, his climb up uh, up the ladder, as it were, and and making making his way now to both uh, teaching with with several uh, degrees and uh, and the fact that he's a town of Fallsburg councilman. And also,
1: uh, by the way, Mike, simultaneously serving on the the Fallsburg school board, and I'm fortunate enough to. Uh, to count Sean uh, among my friends, and I know him fairly well, and uh, just a, a super nice guy, and I, I, think he, I have no doubt that he will be a uh, an asset to the the town board and to the the school board.
0: Though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, Sean Walcarty is is the type of person that uh, that you look at and you know you that he's inspiring others within the community to to perhaps do or go beyond what what he's doing today as an african-american uh, resident of our community so well john conway i really appreciate the conversation i think we've uh, encompassed the african-american community here in in sullivan county have uh, taken the time to to talk about some of those individuals and really some very interesting history within Sullivan County and the African-American community uh, here on uh, Black History Month.
1: Well, as always, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about our history, Mike, and certainly it's is an important aspect of it, so um, I, I thank you for, for
0: well, I, giving me the chance to discuss it. And I appreciate your research. You know, it's, a, it's the kind of thing that I wanted to certainly mark February as Black History Month, but beyond that, take it to the local level and uh, your, your many re- years as Sullivan County historian and the research that's gone into it, uh, you taught me a lot about about that particular aspect of Sullivan County history. As always, John, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. This is Mike Siquel. I'll be back soon with more conversations that you can find on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And always at radiobold.com.